Okay, so here's my opening question for you guys. Um, what did you do today for which you did not need God's help? Nothing. No, I mean, I mean, actually, I don't need to answer that. I'm going to be blunt. Not in a Christian sense. Because, of course, we're going to say we need God for everything. But actually, what did you do today where you did not need God's help? That, now, I'm not talking and by actively need it. So in the sense of how much did you do today and just get by and just do the things you did? And you could have done that with God or without God. Um So, like, the, the, you want examples? The secular context. Yeah, I mean, I went down and I went down to Zinc and walked down there and had some food and came back and I mean, I could have done that with God or without God. I mean, I anybody could do that, right? So, this is a layered question. It's actually not a layered question, but but there's a reason for ask, asking the question. I, I, yeah. You don't know how much we think about what we really do on a daily basis and how much are we doing just ourselves. Right. And in a sense, of course, we know God's there. We have faith. We know he's watching over us. We sort of know all those things, but we just sort of walk through life, you know, and do we really, how much of that do we get by with without ever really having to think about God or even calling God for help? It's just the daily things that we do in our lives. Oh. Have you thought about that? <laughs> yes. Can you think of anything you've done today where you've just done it and you could have done that just as easily with God or without and done it by yourself? Put without on him. shoes and use the every, bathroom. Every, everything, yeah. everything I did today. A few years ago, before I had come back to the Lord, I would have done the exact same day, Uh huh. but I wouldn't have been praying about my day and my life and uh -huh. all that, which I am now. So I think now everything that I do has that element in it. But mm -hmm. 10 years ago, longer, 15 years ago, I would have done the same thing with no thought of God. Yeah. Okay. So I, that's the way I answer it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. That's mm -hmm. good. Yeah. I like it better now, by the way, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> Is it easier to say what you did that you did need God, God for, and then just sure you can do it else. that way if you want to? Because sometimes <laughs> everything else, yeah, right? You everything didn't. else you like it's, that's a shorter list. Yeah, you could say like, what did I call on God for today, and really needed His help versus not. Yeah. So today I was uh, on Twitter. Kind of going back and forth with atheists, kind of, um, you know, apologetics type of thing with atheists pretty much all day. So, like, for that, I needed God. And did you, how did you, did you interact with God with that? Did you just sort of say, God, I need to, you're helping this or? Yeah, yeah. It was kind mm -hmm. of like, obviously, spiritually related. And uh -huh. so, God is included in that process because mm -hmm. it's like, well, otherwise, what are you doing? And then it's, yeah, I need your help. Otherwise, this could not turn out well, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Uh, good. Yeah, good. Anybody else? Um? Yeah, and everything that I do in my days now are totally attributed to 
And do you consciously think of that as you do it? Do you? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because I know the difference. You know, like Charlie said, yeah, I know, I know, and it's it's significant. It's a significant difference. What I say, how I say it, what my focus is when mm-hmm. I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing, right, is all centered around that. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm whether I'm painting, whether I'm training somebody, whether I'm meeting with a, a potential client, meeting somebody new, and discussing, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. Somehow on the talk of, you know, global economics, I, I managed to work in, no matter what you do, you have to study the Bible. Mm. None of this matters otherwise, you know. And uh, to a couple of women that were brought up Catholic that have basically disbanded, quote-unquote, religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but driving, going to the bathroom even. If you've never been in a situation where going to the bathroom didn't come automatically or was a challenge for one reason or another, <laughs> when you can do it easily, you're, you're grateful. It's a miracle. It is. Seriously. Yeah. Get rid of that waste. Architecture. What if you couldn't? You ever think that? Stress. In the morning, you're sitting down in the yeah. toilet and you're getting rid of all that and you're going, what, if that, what if that didn't happen? Yeah. All that, and and what that, people die from happen. that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. All right, good. Of I've course, never, I've never had kidney stones, thankfully, but I've been around my dad and my cousin when they had them, and I've never heard a man cry before yeah, in wow. pain like that. Oh. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's supposed to be one of the most painful things. Yeah. All right. Um, so last week, and we'll come back to that because there's, you know, there is a reason why I'm asking it because it's part of the subject, some of the stuff that we're going to look at tonight, but. I want to review last week. Some of you were here. Some of you weren't. Some of you tried to be. <laughs> isn't isn't Zoom a pain? <laughs> no, it's it, no, it's not. Well, it's just it was too much going on. Yeah. It's like Elizabeth in her prom dress. And, <laughs> you know, this, all this stuff. Was like, you tried. I thought, yeah, I thought I had it on mute. It said on mute, right? And then. It wasn't. <laughs> that was kind of funny. And they were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. So I kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? You just had that? I mean, I just heard that. That's funny. Uh, well, I appreciate you trying that. So, what we, um, why don't you grab your Isaiah books? Um, let me, I'm going to review uh, very quickly. Um, it was in, uh, about what we talked about last week. Um, and do a little exercise to sort of remind us of that. But um, so we actually covered um, one five all the way up to um, two five, okay. And so today, tonight, I'm going to review that very quickly. But then we're going to cover two six to the end of chapter two. So we're starting to sort of speed ourselves up, okay. And as a reminder, a lot of the things we're doing, um, particularly in chapters one <coughs> one one to two five. As we have said over and over again, those create themes that are going to be repeated as we go all the way through Isaiah. And the other thing that's going to happen is basically the first five chapters until we get to chapter six, you notice that Isaiah doesn't get called into his ministry until chapter six. And so one through five is also sort of setting us up for some things. So one of the things I'm going to do but not doing yet, is we're going to go through and actually look at the historical situation when we start hitting that. Right now, this is, in a sense, you could call it, maybe not a good word, but stuff we're looking at right now is sort of ahistorical, 
mean it's not necessarily tied specifically to a certain event in Israel's history, but could be tied to many events that Isaiah is going to be talking about throughout. So it's like sort of, you know, we're picking up some generic things and some generic, generic stuff that God is doing and we're going to look at. So those things become the things we will build upon as we look through Isaiah going through and we see the stuff going on with Assyria and we see Hezekiah and we say, see all the stuff happening, we will build context for that. And I actually will go through and talk about that history in the coming weeks with some maps and stuff too to just give us an idea of who is Ahaz? Where is the stuff going on? What's really going on here that's being talked about? So we can have, you know, more context to that. Okay. So um, last week, if you turn to, um, let's see, page, yeah, so page 12, which is Isaiah one twenty one. You'll notice here that um, that Isaiah is speaking um, of speaking of the, in this sense, I and mean, what he says in verse 21. In fact, I'll just read 21 through 23. He says, "How the faithful city has become a whore." This is really obviously God talking to him. She who has full, she who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bride and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. So what I talked about last week is, you'll see here is a theme, particularly when Isaiah and God's talking about the future or the way things should be. God doesn't speak in the sense so much of a nation. Okay, he speaks more in the sense of a city. Okay, and there's a theme of a city that actually goes through all of Scripture. And if you ever thought about it before, you know, we think of today believers being a church. Israel thinks of themselves usually as a nation. Okay, although that got sort of split in half um, during periods of time like this, or Judah. But You'll see here within Isaiah, and this is again goes all the way to the very end of Revelation, that when God's talking about his remnant, when he talks about his faithful believers, ultimately he talks about them as a city. All right? And so you have that city is talked about in terms of like the New Jerusalem when we were going through Galatians. If you remember in Galatians 4, it talked about how there was the old Jerusalem. And we're going to be part of this new Jerusalem. Um, in Revelation, you have the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. So you have this idea of a city of believers. And Zion is a word that's used for that a lot of times. Jerusalem is a term that's used for that and actually using the term city. Um, and we looked at, and I'll just read it, Hebrews. Let me go there really quick. We looked at last week, Hebrews 12. This is where sort of one place that it pulls it all together. Um, let's see if I can name it. Remember where I read that in Hebrews 12. Um, okay, I'm going to find it here. Where was that? Um, 
Hebrews 12.22. All right, so I was looking right at So Hebrews 12.22, it says, and this is where you can see all these put being pulled together. And it talks about in the present and the future sense of the city. So we today are actually, you know how we were talking about the, we are um, a community from heaven, okay, here on earth? Well, another way of putting that, another way scripture will put that is we are a city, okay, of heaven here on earth. And so in Hebrews 12.22, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion. So there's the term Zion. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So you see all those things put together. Zion, city, heavenly Jerusalem. Those are all speaking in the terms of this group of people who are the believers who have their faith in Christ. But what's interesting, and what we talked about last week, is the word city is a word pollock, in which we get our word politic. Politic. Okay? And so that word politic that we have today actually comes from the word meaning city. And the word politics is really in a in the positive non you know in in the like social science sense or what the word means it really means that which governs and the things that rule and govern a city what makes a city work okay so you mean you have a family of a family what makes a family work what makes a church work but what makes a city work and there's different things that ha- that compose of what a city is. And what Isaiah is laying out here is in Isaiah 1 through 2, 5, is how Israel is not living according to the way the city should be working, the city of God, okay, but turning away from God. And what Isaiah is doing is calling, trying to call the people back to be, this is who you're supposed to be. This is how you are supposed to live among each other. So I use the hula hoop example again where, you know, we had the hula hoop and the one colored hula hoop was in Christ when we put our faith in Christ. And then we have the two other hula hoops like Gentile and Jew. And when it says in Galatians that we are now one in Christ, no longer Jew, Gentile, male, female, master, slave, that we are now in this family of Christ. And what we're laying out here in part in Isaiah is what is a family or city? How is it supposed to be looking? What is it supposed to do? Okay. And so last week we looked at some of the things. And Chris actually, when he was here last week, actually picked out one of the main verses that shows that um, as to how this city functions of people. So, um, so anybody remember where that was? Or Chris, those of you here last week? Or Chris, when he was here, he pointed right off to, oh, here's an example of that, which is probably one of the best examples in Isaiah of all the scripture of what that looks like. Anybody remember where that was in Isaiah 1? Going once, going twice. All right. So turn to... Uh, 21, verse 21. Yeah, verse 16. Turn to uh, page 10. Oh, yeah. Okay. And here is an example. God's calling, this is who you are to be as a people. This, And again, this is how you were to work and live in community in this as a city of God. 
And it says, verse 16, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil from your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's case. That is sort of a good sense of these are the ways, I don't want to call it self rules, but this is what the life of the city of God looks like. Okay? And you're going to see, we're going to see this theme, like about seeking justice, about the fatherless, the oppressed, all the way through Isaiah. In fact, that's one of the things that God is judging the people of Israel for, is you, here's God, who is, if you read these things, Cease to do evil, do good, seek justice, correct oppression. What is it that God did for Israel when they were in Egypt? <laughs> this is what God did. <laughs> he took them out of oppression. He brought justice upon Pharaoh. All right. He he removed them from evil. All right. I mean, this is this is what God does. And God says, I've done this for you. Now, what the heck? <laughs> you should be doing this for one another. And that's not happening. Yeah. <clears throat> Bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. Yes. Or cause. Cause. Um, so th that's clearly repeated. It is. Yeah. A lot. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, in defining what that would mean... Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, beyond the sure. obvious, right? uh -huh. as we would see that, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Bring justice to the fatherless. So could that also be interpreted as fatherless being godless, yeah. being just purely human fatherless? Exactly. I mean, sure? This is yes. Okay. This is practical, down to earth. The reason why you see this no in scripture, right? The yeah. reason why you see this is that because in those days, in that in that structure, when you had a wife or you had kids that were fatherless, they were just on their own. They were they were on their own, yeah. and actually more worse off than being on their own. I mean, it, it was not looked at highly. Uh, you know, the widows. Okay, I mean, so in that in the ancient society. These are things that said, do you really care for your people or not? Now, we in our society have similar things and maybe things that look different. But this is a very practical thing of saying the ones that cannot take care of themselves Need to be taken. are to be taken care of by the community. Yeah. James 1.27. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I quoted that last week. Perfect. The religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, so why don't you read that again? Mm -hmm. Read it slow. Read it read oh, a little right. louder. Listen. All right. Yeah. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's James. So yeah. that's an interesting thing, though, the, re the religion in that. Mm -hmm. yes. Right? Again, another, like, politics. Gee, is, what's he pointing out? What's the, the word that I refer to you? Let's prefer that more than anything, right? And then beyond that, what's with the religion? Mm -hmm. What is that? It just means you know, practice, life practice, right? 
in terms of that? How, well, do, you, how do you? Yeah, how do you, fact, how, do you, how do you do life? Yeah. So, well, religion is if you take a look where we just were, okay, on page ten. Mm-hmm. Religion, as Pete just <laughs> used it there in James, mm-hmm. actually could refer right back to Isaiah 1, 12 through 15. Sure. Where it's not saying don't pray, don't come together, don't have Sundays where you worship God. It's saying if you're doing that and you're walking out the door <laughs> and you're treating other people this way, that's an abomination to God. Don't even bother to come and pretend like you're worshiping God if you're going to walk out the door and treat and oppress people. Or if you're going to walk out the door and not do good. If you're going to walk out the door and do something. And it's, you look at it here, you know, when you come up here before me, I mean, Israel fell at the time, which, you know, goes right to today. It's all easy. We come to church, we have happy songs, we worship God, we feel good, we hear a good sermon. We go home, and then we don't live that way, <laughs> you know. And God's saying that's an abomination to me. I mean, it's it's almost like worse than just not doing it at all. It's like you're worse. You're you're saying I'm your Lord, and yet you're doing exactly the opposite. That's the judgment that mm-hmm. God's bringing here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at um, you look at verse 15. I mean, take it really seriously. When you spread out your hands, you know, worship, I will hide my eyes to you, from you. Even though you make many prayers. I mean, when I, when we think of what do we seek? We seek God. We seek him in prayer. But you hear that a lot. Seek him in prayer, right? God's saying, I'm not going to listen to your prayers. <laughs> if you're not truly doing these things of doing good and seeking justice and correcting oppression and taking the evil out of your lives I'm not I'm not going to hear you it's back to that same old thing it's all about understanding yeah what it says in here yeah and the common thread right yeah I mean and going back to like what Pete just did you know um, you know you think oh this is the Old Testament uh, well, guess what? It's not just the Old Testament. It's all through the entire uh, entire scriptures. So going back to um, yeah, kind of what you were what you were going through, right? It reminded me of a verse out of Matt as out of Matthew, mm-hmm. but it's actually uh, Jesus quoting Isaiah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, Isaiah twenty nine. So it reminded me of this verse, but then it's he's these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And yeah. So I think this is what you were saying with. Yeah. And Jesus, I think, is is referring to like hypocritical practices of the Pharisees, right? Which again, I think, relates to, oh, well, you're doing these things, but you're, you know, you're neglecting the greater com- commandments. So where it's like maybe you're following the letter of the law here, but you know, honoring me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Exactly. And it's the relationship part. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so in the city, the politic part is yeah. it? Are, I mean. Top to bottom, or is that something that's even more directly focused on the leadership component? Well, we are. We'll see more of that in Isaiah. There's a. There's. It's. It's on one hand top to bottom. On the other hand, though, God, as we'll see in Isaiah, places people in leadership positions and puts a lot more responsibility on them than on the. They puts. God puts responsibilities on leaders for the way they their people are. <laughs> 
okay, he holds leaders very responsible. And we're going to see this theme. Part of the reason I'm going to go through Isaiah is it teaches us, about, uh, teaches us a lot about leadership. Because what God is judging is like with the Pharisees. They're placed in the position of interpreting and God's, I mean, God, interpreting God's word for the people. <laughs> but when they start placing on the people a bunch of burdens and rules that don't exist and cut off that relationship with God, mm-hmm. they're judged like big time for it. Okay. So in here, um, it's sort of, it's all, I mean, it's responsibility of the person on the bottom to be doing this and it's responsibility of the person on top. But God's going to hold the person on top. That's why the king, that's why God was very explicit when he called, when the people said, I want a king, I want a king, I want a king. And God said, if you want a king, then this king better represent me. And then along comes Saul, which is a whole story about Saul. But it's not just Saul. We're going to see in Isaiah, the whole thing of Isaiah is around what does Ahaz, who's the head, do? What does Hezekiah do as he interacts with and with the nation. Right. And they get judged for that. So, yeah. But you see that this this whole thing that so ties into the woman and how we treat the woman, we're following God's commandment when we exhort them and lift them up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But as soon as we stop that, that's when all of a sudden we're not walking with the Lord and He will exalt women over us that's right. because we're not being good leaders. Good leadership is coming from underneath, yeah. right, and exhorting people. If you have these leaders up top that are just getting fat, and right, it's not good. Yeah, and the whole thing crumbles apart. So, um, so anyway, that's. I mean, you can we can read through. I'm not going to do it right now, but we can, you can read through the rest of one, one, two, five, and you can see this theme, and you can see the themes we talked last week. We had a good discussion. I think Gil sort of. Um, was speaking a lot about that hit him, which was Isaiah 118. Here's another example. What do we do in this city of God? We reason together. <laughs> we don't argue and say you're this and you're that and oh my gosh, you know, how could you and you know, or you just think what we do with politics today, just the very opposite of reasoning together a lot of times, okay? So here it's the whole idea that what does the people of God do? They reason together. And verse 19, they're mm-hmm. willing, they're obedient. If, um, if you are willing. Yeah, this is, this is yeah. God speaking to them. Right? Yeah, that's right. He's saying, come right. out, let's reason together. Yeah, right. Right. I'm God, I'm reasonable. <laughs> you know, let's talk about this. Okay. But I, I'm reasonable, yeah. but it's... Exactly, and I am God, so right. remember that. Right? At the same time, that, that, 19 and 20 were the ones that stuck out for me because it's, it's, like, it's very clear. It's like... If you are willing and obedient, mm-hmm. like, hey, not, not, there. not when you are, no. if, if you are, right. this is up to you. I control the big picture, but you guys control that action. That's right. Okay? But if you refuse and rebel, which refusing and rebelling means, right, just not being willing and obedient, anything shy of that, and you're refusing and, yeah, and we're rebelling. Yeah, we're going to see some of that tonight. That's exactly where we're going to go. You shall be eaten by the sword. Yeah. Which, like, the, 
<laughs> you don't want to be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Yeah. It's kind of life and death, isn't it? And and what it isn't well, and for Israel, it is life and death, and actually, really is life and death for us too. It is. I mean, isn't, it is. isn't in Revelations one of the the manifestations, the visions of of Christ was of having a a, fl- a sword as a tongue? Mm-hmm. Possibly, but yes, because yeah. 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 in Revelation, yeah. which I think is similar to Daniel's vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Okay. So, if you why don't we turn. To, so what we talked about last week is if you, let's turn to chapter 2 and um, what I talked about last week was chapter 2, 1 through 5 set up this vision of what is going to happen when, this, when the city of God functions as it should Okay, this is what happens and this is, speaks of something this was actually partially fulfilled in the time of Solomon it was partially fulfilled at different times, but it's ultimately what's going to be fulfilled in Revelation. All right. So this is really talking about now this already not yet. We've talked about all through our different studies. There's some of this that's, you know, we are to be this type of people today. All right. Um, and when we are, this is what happens. But ultimately, this is going to be fulfilled in Revelation. Um and in fact, so if you take a look, what does it say? So I want to just read it. So in, um, I'll start at 2. It says, The word of Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in latter days. People say, when are the latter days? When they're here. <laughs> okay? um, they're not here yet, as we'll find out. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be lifted above the hills. And again, this is very, this is very metaphoric. And what's going to happen? Listen. And all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion, again, there's that city, shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge, being God, between nations. God will decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Hmm. This is this one day this will be <laughs> okay this is what we all long for one day this will be but we are actually called to be that type of people today that's why Jesus says in John 17 when you love one another as I have loved you you become a light to other people and people will want to come I mean don't we want to be I mean bluntly what do we want to be as a church we want we want yeah, we want people to come Okay, not so we have numbers, but they're coming not because we're necessarily calling them to come, but because they see something. They say, "What is that? What are these people who are loving me and loving each other and reaching out, and seeking justice and doing good?" And I mean, who are this? Who are these people? And the nations come. All right. Um, so, so close to what Steve was teaching on Sunday. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, oh, very much so. Put, yeah. put your put down your your weapons. Right. And, and that really spoke to me. Because yeah. I have a lot of weapons that I I hide behind. And these can be, I mean, you can look at those weapons 
somewhat metaphorically, you can look at those last weapons as real, as we see in a minute. You can look at them as, you know, the things in which we do to attack people. Okay, and we always like to tell our people, why don't you reason with me? <laughs> but we don't reason with them <laughs> too. You know, so blood. we have to go both ways with that. All right. So, looking at that, look at 2, 1 through 5, really sets up, this is what's going to happen. But now, I want to read, I want to focus on verses 6 through 8 for a moment. Because this is not happening. <laughs> God's saying, this is who you should be, but he's saying it's not happening. Okay. So I want to look at the contrast for a moment to better understand what is what is God getting at here. Because obviously this is the city you're supposed to be. You're not being that. Okay. And ultimately they're supposed to be the nation that's the blessing to all other nations, right? They're not fulfilling that. And that then God says there's going to be in in Isaiah we saw what there's a there's a remnant. Okay. Well, that remnant are the people who are going to be in the city of Zion. And we come from that. I mean, as faithful believers in Christ today, we are part of that, what would be called that remnant, that's grafted unto Israel. Okay. We'll talk more about this as we go along. So, listen to what um, it says in verse 6 through 8, and the contrast with which we just read. For you have rejected your people. So this is, in essence, um, this is Isaiah sort of talking back to God, but he's speaking the word of God. For you, meaning God, have rejected your people, the house of Jacob. Why did you reject them? Because they are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines. And they strike hands with children of the foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to work of their hands to what their own fingers have made. There's why the judgment's coming. Okay, that's this is the contrast between what we just read. So listen, just so just sort of see a little bit of the contrast here. Um, notice. In verse 2, what I want to look at the contrast between what the nations are doing at the at this end time versus what Israel's doing right now. Alright? So for example, the nations are doing what in Isaiah 2 here? In, in Isaiah, what, what are the nations doing? They're Rebelling. No, they're not rebelling. No, no, no look at two. Look at I two two. What does it say the nations are doing? It says all the nations shall flow to the house of the Lord. Right. All the nations are flowing and coming to Mount Zion. They're coming to worship God. Okay? So I want you to just picture that. What are they doing? They're all coming to to, to um, they're drawn to Zion. What are the people being drawn to? And then now this is Israel. <laughs> what is God's own people? So the nations who are not believers are being drawn to Zion. 
God's own people are being drawn to what in verse 6? That's in the future utopia, though, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, utopia, yeah, cult, utopia. Yeah, this is a future revelation, right? So this is this is how it's going to be. The nations are going to be coming to Mount Zion. I mean, what God is laying out is saying this, and we all know ultimately the reason why this is not happening is because Christ needs to come. But Christ has now come, and we're still trying to do this. But this is the way God designed His people to be. This is this is who they were supposed to be is a people that are a light to the nations and the nations come. And just again, I could go back and read, but Solomon, this was actually happening in Solomon days, Solomon's days for just a little bit. The nations were seeing all the wisdom of Solomon and the wisdom of God that he had, and the nations were coming because he was following God. They were becoming this city of Zion. And then, okay. But listen to the contrast. The nations are coming to Zion, but God's own people here of yeah. Israel are going, are coming to what? The other way. <laughs> exactly. They're going the wrong the way. Other way. They're, <laughs> they're building their strength in horses and chariots and gold and, and idols. Exactly. Everything they told them to keep away They're going from. to the east. They're the going to God. the east. Yeah. Exactly. They're, and what is in the east? Everything terrible and bad. Spiritual practices <laughs> that are against God. <laughs> At the very least, and idols. Right. Yeah. Idols. Assyria. False religion. And this is Assyria. This is a yeah. nation of Assyria. There is Assyria that it's talking to, which is the ruling nation for over 500 years at this time that owns everything all around Israel. Okay, and that whole area is all controlled by Assyria at this time. All right? And I what thought that's what he was, that. who he was talking to when he said, your nation is full of gold and your nation is, and you have all these horses. It wasn't Israel. He was talking about no. Assyria, right? Some about Assyria. Okay. He's so, talking about Assyria there? Well, no, hold on. No, he's... No, yeah. that, that's different. Yeah, yeah no, they're... Oh, yeah. their land is filled with silver and gold? Well, or... Yeah, hold on for just a second, because we're going to get that. You're, you're right. You're interpretive. I want to first just get at... this. Just look at verse 6 for a minute. So notice the nations are coming to Zion, but in contrast, God's own people are going and getting full of the things away from Zion. They're going to the east. They're going to other nations. You see that contrast? It's like the irony is the unbelievers are coming to hear about this God, but God's own people are turning away and going to other and becoming like the nations. Right. You know, so you see that? Yeah. Okay. Um, look at verse um, in verse three of two three. Um, look, notice how the people listen to what the people say in verse three. So all the nations flow to Mount Zion, and then it said, and then those nations say. Listen to the people. These are, again, sort of unbelievers. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob. All right? And so they're they're God. wanting to go and hear from God. All right? But what are the... <laughs> but look at the next verse after. What are the God's own people going to want to hear? What does it say there? 
Who are, the, who are they wanting to hear from? Fortune tellers. Fortune tellers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what, should I, what should I do for you? You see this contrast? Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, I mean, talking about like God's own people, the ones, very ones that the nations are going to be coming to are the very ones that are turning away from God. Okay. Isn't that just, I mean, this just happens to all of us naturally. It, right? it does. I mean, we sit here and pick apart the Jews for how could they, I mean, they, for goodness sake, he parted the Red Sea, right? But that very thing can happen to us, and within three or four days, we're going, where'd he go? That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not here anymore. Let's make a goal. It can happen in hours. It can yeah. happen. Yeah. Exactly. Part of the reason why I asked you at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, how easy is it for us to just go through a whole day? I mean, let's be really blunt. It can be very easy to go through a whole day and not even... And just say, I, I've just done this all myself and not really think too much about God because I'm busy. I'm doing all these things. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't really need God. I got through the day. I might not be thinking that, but I went through the whole day and but, didn't need Him. But, you know? Shouldn't that be really hard? <laughs> what's, what's that? Should to, get, be? to get through the whole day and, and not really need God. Shouldn't it be for for us right here, all these people that are in this room right now, right? Shouldn't that be really way harder than the opposite? Well, it should, but I want you to just hold that, okay? Because I want to come back to that question you're asking right now. Shouldn't it be hard? Why was it not hard for them? Okay, so that's where we learn about this. Is let's look at what they were doing. Because okay, it, something we kind of glossed over last uh-huh, time uh-huh. that that I felt like. Dude, this is this is pretty defining. We've all, we, yeah. Twenty nine through thirty one of one. Right. Okay. And this is an assessment of a judgment and something that is so us, so us, so now. Mm-hmm. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desire. And shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaves wither, like a garden without water, like, and the strong shall become tender, and his work a spark. Right. Speaking of what you just said. And both of them shall burn together with none to quench them. Okay. I'm so busy with my day that I didn't have time to think of God. Right. And the strong shall become tender, and his work a spark. What does any of it matter without being in the heart of God in everything that we're doing? Mm-hmm. It's it's total vanity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That should be like step one, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Know okay. that nothing you do matters unless you're with God. Right. But see, but <laughs> is it okay if I tell a little bit about my day to day? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because that's toilets. <laughs> <laughs> no, no toilets. Hey, man, and God's people need clean toilets. <laughs> Especially right. if we start the, the whole discussion about how things right. Sure, absolutely, <laughs> man. That's so, a blessing. So I came in a little late. Otherwise, I would have thrown this one right out there. You would it would have fit right in with the discussion. Did you say now. you would have thrown it right out there? <laughs> yeah, it's like I had, a, I had a whole bunch of to throw it right out there for you to step in. Yeah. When I stepped in today. It's like I was. Uh, <laughs> it keeps getting deeper. Yeah. <laughs> so so my my it's daughter going on slippery slope. Yeah. yeah. My daughter does really well in school, and she's going to be 
awarded today for her good grades, but along with the rest of the students at the school, right? right? So it's at like 11.50 today. Well, that's right in the middle of the day. So I go up to a job thinking this will be a slam dunk. Turns out it's not a slam dunk. <coughs> and the guy who's helping me is a, a long-time buddy of mine who is now in his 70s and is just really not moving as fast as he used to. <laughs> And he's in kind of the overseer of the house mm -hmm. that I'm working on. And I like, look at the shadow bomb and I go, uh-oh. I go, this might not be an easy fix. This valve is 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And if I take this thing apart, we could be like not able to put it back together. And then we got to cut into the back of the wall, right? Yeah. Which is fortunately drywall, usually no big deal. But it's faux painted, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> they spent a fortune on the faux oh, paint. Wow. So he's going, well, we can't do that. And so I go, well, now look, I've got to go to my daughter saying at 1150, 11.50, and so this is going to interrupt in the middle of our day. And she's like, that's okay. And so, well, I take it apart. Sure enough, it just explodes, and it's ugly. And I go, I don't think we can fix it. Well, can you try? I said, yeah, okay, I'll try. So I said, I'm going to go to the parts house, try to identify this cartridge, and I'll come back after the whole deal with my daughter. Well, so I go to the award ceremony, everything's great, then I go to the supply house, find the right part, and I come back, and we put it in, and I told him, I go, no, I might put this thing in there. This valve body is so old and corroded, it might not work, right? Sure enough, it doesn't work. <laughs> so the other part of my day is supposed to pick up my daughter relatively early from school so we can get her prom dress and go out and get it hemmed up in time for prom. Well, so here I am with him, and sure enough, we have to cut a hole in the back of the wall now, right? So then it goes from me waiting for him to cut the hole. Now, I don't have any patience for this guy at this point, and I'm going, oh. You know what, I just see my daughter's texting me, where are you, right? It's like, pray for me, I don't think I'm gonna make it. You know, I'm with Roddy, and Roddy's really not doing well. And so finally we get it done, but it's too late now for her to go get her dress. But in the middle, middle of it, I can see me just falling apart and imploding and not being understanding and loving and the whole deal, right? Like, do you need to, do you ah. need to full re repaint it? I'll do it for you. Will you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, 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 there you go. They'll be so happy to hear it. <laughs> I'm glad to do it. Oh, anyway. Yeah. That's cool. So, but I mean, that's a good yeah. practical example of that. And, yeah. But I want you to listen. Let's just keep going through here. We don't want to just walk through these. You right. see these steps. It's good for us to be aware. We're talking about a nation here, but it actually comes down to the level you're talking about here. Okay. And, and ask, answering your question, well, shouldn't we just be worshiping God and thanking yeah. God and thinking of God and calling on God all day? Uh, well, of course we are. But what are the things that stop us from that? Okay, a lot of answers to that, but look at what it says Certainly. here. So, by the way, I, yeah. I, I wasn't su I, suggesting that uh, that I'm living according. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, shouldn't that be right? It so should be. Should be. Right. Yeah, it should I could be. have handled it a lot better. Yeah. yeah. So, so notice, um, <laughs> notice that. So it says because they are full of things from the east. 
Okay, so what are we filling ourselves up with? Mm-hmm. Okay, the things of the world. Okay, today the East would be the things of the world. You know, I could, that could be whatever. Okay, maybe I'm watching news all day, or maybe I'm on my phone all day, or whatever it is. I'm filling myself up with the things of the world. Okay, um, and I love this part about fortune tellers because where are we getting our wisdom? You know, where are we going and seeking? The decisions I'm going to make today, where am I getting and seeking wisdom about that? Oh, just today. Past life regression therapists, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, oh, well, I saw Seriously, this is this is normal. Yeah. Just all, and all and then stuff. it says, and they strike hands <laughs> with the children of foreigners. And now what that probably means is engaging in worship with them. So striking hands is sort of like clapping. It's a term of worship. Okay, so here you have mm-hmm. God's people doing the very opposite of what the nations are going to do at the end. And they're going and filling themselves up with everything from the east, wisdom from the Philistines, which are on the west, by the way. Um, and they're worshiping <laughs> along with the, along with the um, orders here. But then in this next verse, in verse 7... We get to find out what makes them so full. <laughs> because you get the idea here, they're filling themselves up with this. What well, they're filling themselves up with this, whatever they're filling themselves up with, are the things that are also causing them to not worship God, not to be, not to be, full not to be focused on spirit. God. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you look at verse 7. So what is it they're filling themselves up with? Silver and gold. So what's what's seven? Yeah. So what is seven, the very first sentence there? What what is that they're filling themselves up with? Silver and gold. Silver and gold. gold. Treasures. Which is what? Yeah. Dough. Ramy. Dough. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Dough. And mm-hmm. it's not cooking dough mm-hmm. to make pizza. <laughs> exactly. So look, their land is filled with silver and gold, and we're gonna find out. As we come up here, we're going to find out what's very interesting is when Isaiah is written, at this point in time, Israel is doing really good. Probably the best they've ever done economically. Okay? They are, things are going super good. It's like, you know, if you think of our economy in the United States, things are just like, you know, interest rates are down, people make a lot of money, and unemployment is out, you know, I mean, the rich are getting, I mean, all these things. You would look and go, the economy is super strong. People are doing well. The best they've ever done. Israel was probably at this point, This what's going to happen here? From the outward side of it, it looks like this nation is doing really good. But look what God's saying here about that. That very thing about why they're doing so good can also be the very thing that takes them away from God. So their wealth, their land is filled with all this wealth. And there's no end to it. What are they doing? They're focusing on what do you do when you want to get rich? You want to get richer. Richer. And you cannot serve both God and money. Exactly. Sermon on the Mount. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. I mean, it's pretty obvious here. What are they? What they're doing? They're serving manna. They're serving yeah. money. All right. So they're filling themselves up with that. Then, what also they fill themselves up? Their land is filled with horses. And there is no end to their chariots. What is that? 
Jay Leno has a big garage. <laughs> so there's lots of plenty. A lot of plenty, but what's the plenty? Here? What do you think they're so, uh, referring that's, to? That's a war machine. Very good. Yeah. So very good. They feel secure. They're feeling exactly. Yeah. You know, they're feeling yeah. really secure. It's like, you know, I'm making things up. You know, I, you know, when we we had all the nuclear bombs, and we had all the weapons, <coughs> and we know we can blow anybody away and just snap of a finger, and no one else has a chance. We're feeling good, and we're putting all of our security into. Yeah, our social security. Yeah, yeah. And there was there was commandments in I think you know Deuteronomy or whatever that says that kings are not to multiply horses. And Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That that this is referring actually to that passage. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's in Deuteronomy. What what actually is the command of the Lord? Don't get too much stuff. Yeah. Okay. Because what's the stuff going to do? It's going to start taking you away from God. Exactly. Which yeah. it hit every one of the kings that's mentioned yep, in this book. Exactly. And we're going to see that in real <laughs> action as we start getting into Isaiah. And then, finally, what's the last thing they're filled with? Idols. Idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So, what are they doing now? They're actually building these idols or worshiping the idols. What is, what is it? Did anybody know what's the function of idols back in those days? And it, you, who was it Who was it that just said like after three days? Was it you who said in Egypt? Who was referring to like, I think you, after, you know, just when, when, um, when the when Israel came oh, out of Egypt, you know, three days they're grumbling and everything, right. okay? Three days, Moses goes up and, you know, talks to God on the mountain, and what does he do? He comes down and, what are they doing? Yeah. Oh, oh hell broke loose. Right. <laughs> okay. So why is that? What is going on here? How does that even relate to today? So well, it's a lack of faith and a lack of understanding. Oh, it is. You're absolutely right. A lack, lack of faith and a lack of understanding. What do you do when you have a lack of sense of not control. Oh, you become more aggressively controlling, don't you? And how were they doing that in these days? So think about why is it they're making idols and why are they worshipping idols? I mean, there's no such thing as atheists in in ancient society. Everyone believed in Elohim. And when I say that everyone believed in Elohim, I mean that literally. Everybody, the word Elohim means gods. Control. It all means God, but it also means gods. Okay? Control. Exactly. What are they trying to, what are you, what are you trying to control? Why do you have all these idols? Anybody know what's going on in the ancient? Well, the weather, fertility, everything. Everything, right. everything having to do with life, the gods controlled. Exactly. And you have to appease them. Exactly. So why do you have idols and why are you building idols? Because you're trying to control. Control. I mean, today is just a perfect example of that. If I do this, that gives me control. If I don't do that, that gives me you know everything. Just, right. And then every side is being faced with that. It's fantastic. Right. And and they came out of Egypt with all that plunder. Right, the yeah. Egyptians loaded them up 
They Get out of here. all this yeah. jewelry. Yeah. And they're out in the middle of the desert. And Moses goes away there. Well, there goes a, there goes that God got us to here. Let's make another one. Right. Yeah. And why? Because <laughs> the people really did not have faith. They did not believe. They thought these guys, you know, now where are they at? They're they're going. They're out in the middle of the desert. Where were they before? They were in this nice Egypt where they had food. And they could have a grocery market, and yeah, they were under slavery, but they had their things they needed. They felt in control. Oh, it's so beautiful. But now you come out. You're in the desert. There's nothing you have control of. So what are you going to do? You're going to figure out a way to start controlling it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Well, it's it's you know. Vegas is going off right now. Inflation goes up. People lose jobs. Guess what they do? They gamble. We, we gamble. Yeah. Yeah. If, I'm, if I don't have any control, maybe I'll get some. Yeah, and now I want you to think about gambling for a moment, <laughs> since you mentioned that. For any of you, I don't know if any of you have been into gambling that much. I'm not. So, I mean, I never really have been because I know I lose all the time. But if you think about gambling, you know, and you like you think about gambling, you also think about just just watch baseball. My wife loves baseball, right? So she finally got me into baseball because I thought it was the most boring sport in the entire world. Um, But what's fascinating, have you ever noticed when you watch when a batter goes up and bats? Have you ever noticed a lot of times what happens? Well, a lot of times they'll yeah, the routine. Right. They'll go through their ritual. Exactly. Superstition. Tapping, pulling, tugging, adjusting. What are they doing there? Superstition. It's superstition. Exactly. A ritual. They're going through some type of a ritual. They're basically building themselves an idol and saying, if I do this, like the people with gambling, they think if I do this and I do this and I do this and I pull this, you know. That's mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think some of it is, is becoming comfortable and relaxing too, because uh, you know the adjusting yeah, the gloves. Yeah. No, adjusting the yeah. gloves and things like that. I think sort of sets them up to focus. Focus you. Yeah. It, it can be that way, but it can yeah. also be superstition. Right. It can be. Yeah. It depends again. Where's yeah. your mind going with it? Right. Um, but so you think here about what is what are they doing when they're trying to do idols? They're really trying to. They're feeling out of control. control, and they're not putting their faith at all in God. They're putting their faith in who, really? Themselves. Themselves. Very good, Steve. I think there's there's a level also, too, with idolatry of the pleasure of the idolatry. Like the Ashtara, you know, the um, temple prostitutes, things mm-hmm. like that. So it's like, sure, you know, like, yeah, that sounds great. Or... When you do have that and you have unwanted children, yeah, let's serve Molech. I don't want these kids. Like, let's give them to Molech. Yeah. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know, maybe abortion, right? So. Well, in those days, they didn't, you didn't have to worry about abortion because all you do is you have the baby. That was abortion. And you, yeah. Right. You have the baby. You just put it out in the street, literally. Right. And Expose it. Die. Give it to Molech. Right. Yeah. So I think so that's considered worship, but that's like fulfilling the thing that you actually just want to do anyways. Yeah. And like that's very good. That's on top of it, what you're interesting, saying. Interesting, but I had not thought about that before. Yeah. That they're actually doing they don't want the kid or they don't want whatever, so we're just gonna yeah. Let's have sacrifice. it sacrifice. We'll, we'll make 
will make Mullick happy. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here's a good, I want to just read this to you because this is a good um, sort, of, sort of summarize the idolatry. This is a, a description I read from someone in a commentary about what idolatry is and says, um, central to idolatrous worship mm -hmm. is the achievement of security through manipulation of personalized forces. So you get that security, you get that control. But central to the Israelite faith was to, to be the surrender to that manipulative control and the acceptance of God's grace. Such acceptance being evidenced by a life like this marked by ethical purity. This distinction between these two ways, so you, one, I'm just giving up all control and putting my faith in God versus I'm trying to take control of everything, this distinction between these two ways always posed a dilemma for the Israelites. Hmm. I say it poses a dilemma for us today too, right? To attempt to control one's own destiny implied denial of God, but acceptance of God's way meant a frightening relinquishment of power. Typically, they tried mm -hmm. to keep both God and the gods with unhappy results, mm -hmm. they tried to do both, which is exactly what we're seeing right here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, when, when for the most part, they did not consciously abandon God, and I, I think this is important. They, in, for the most part, they did not consciously abandon God, but their attempts to keep both amounted to abandonment of God, and was in the eyes of the prophets rebellion. Right. So actually, the idea, idea of trying to keep both Elohim and Elohim, again, Elohim means God or gods, plural, there's the God mm -hmm. and gods, it can be very unconscious. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to do both. And God actually calls that rebellion. Sure. <laughs> Where we try to do both at the same time. Yeah, because you know, if you understand his word, control. he explicitly forbids it. Right. So, so in it's yeah. rebellion. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's interesting, back to 19 and 20, again, it's not just if you're obedient, it's not just if you're willing, but if you're willing and obedient. Right. And anything shy of that would be refusal and rebellion. Right. Right? Right. Willing and obedient. Yeah. Yes, I want to do that, and then do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... You see that, it, so in essence, what happens, and I'll just get through, go through this part. So we see what they're filled with. So you see all these things, you know, society is doing really good. They're feeling really safe as a nation. People are feeling really safe and secure, you know, and they start getting involved in, you know, doing idols and everything. I'll make some little idols and stuff. But going back to where we started with, um, you know, they're... Going, they're going to the synagogues. They're worshiping Yahweh. Their things still look religious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're trying to do both, mm -hmm. and God is calling them on that and mm -hmm. saying, "This is rebellion," and saying, "I'm going to bring judgment against that." All right, and that's when it goes in. And if you look at verse 10, um, actually, if you look, I'll just read it. So this, is, so this is what happens. God says in verse 9, So man, in doing this, you're going to be humbled, and each one of you is going to be brought low. It says, do not forgive them, which is Isaiah sort of speaking for God, saying, you know, you're not even going to get forgiveness for this. And then it says, enter, and so the, here comes God's wrath and judgment. This is what the picture of, of it is. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust. From what? Before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty. 
The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, mm-hmm. and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts has a day. <laughs> Watch out. He, God has a day of judgment against all that is proud and lofty. Listen to this against here. His wrath is going to come against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and this shall be brought low, against all the cedars of Lebanon, which here can refer to the, to the cedars you make idols, lofty and lifted up, against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains, and against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower and against every fortified wall, you see all the security and everything. Mm-hmm. Against all the ships of Tarshish, all the military, against all the beautiful craft, and the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And what will happen to the idols? The idols shall utterly pass away. <laughs> okay? And people shall enter the caves and rocks because they're so scared, and the holes of the ground from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. In that day, mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the baths, to enter the caverns and the rock, from the clefts of the cliffs, from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. You just, God is God and he's going to be God. You know, you just, and, and this is this is a warning to the people. I mean, that's what Isaiah is doing. He's trying to say, look, God's wrath is going to come and just wipe this all out. And then verse 22, and we'll end on this, is really sort of like the culmination of everything that was just said. And it's a verb. I remember you thinking about verbs a couple weeks ago. Um This is a verb. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Cease. Verb. Stop. Regarding man. Stop putting the focus on us and thinking we have any control of what is going on. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath, for of what account is he? Does that even remember to you when you think, when you hear that? Does that remind you of anything in Genesis? Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. Mm-hmm. Yes. Remind you of anything? Yes. Breathe yes. life. Yeah, exactly. That's Amen. the Ruach. Exactly. Like very said. excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes, You're very great. good. Mm-hmm. Genesis 2.7. Um, what does it say in 2.7? says... Yes, he's saying, whose nostrils is breath, the, the, the life that I give them. Yeah. Then, okay, so when no bush of the field, all this stuff happened, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Idols never or anything, but they have no life, they have no nothing. God breathed life, and it was God who breathed life into us, and we are because of that to worship only one, which is the Lord God. So when you say worship, though, 
worship, follow, willingly, no, obedient, we, all that. Yes, to, to be with, to, to exist. Exactly. As one. When I say worship, I mean all that. To be in relationship where we depend solely on God for everything. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where we're being asked for. You know, so you think about our world today. I mean, we're pretty. We can go on and. You know, we all live probably pretty well. <laughs> okay, we're in the top whatever of the whole world probably. And I mean, to just in just a light look where we live and how easy it is to just fall into this because we sort of, you know, the money, we have nice, beautiful weather, we can get everything we need. It's real easy to just start saying we don't, you know. I, I believe, I come to church on Sunday, I work, I, but I'm not really living. Where you go... To somewhere where you you know you don't know if you're going to get shot the next day, or whether you can get food the next day, and in that situation you find people who their faith is so strong because they every minute are depending on God for their life. Of course, it's happening here now more and more. Well, yeah. With the shootings and the that's right and the lack of food from the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think what we see here is is basically. <coughs> Anytime we feel confident in ourselves, that's our pride and that's separation from God right away. Control is pride. Is, is, you know, is having control of the situation. So the thing that keeps, in, in listening to this, the audio of it through over and over and, and reading through this, the thing that is, is becoming more and more clear is it's which what you're saying is that there's always the struggle with relinquishing Mm -hmm. that control Mm -hmm. yet this is why it seems puzzling to me and it it really shouldn't be hard it shouldn't be a struggle because it's throughout I'm in charge of the things that you aren't the things that you cannot control I control so give me that yet I give you control of the things that you need to have control over. And you need to assume that responsibility and live up to that accordingly. Because I don't want a passive zombie. I don't want a robot. That's not how I made you. You have to interact with me. You have a role to play here. He's really asking us to see campus. Yeah, and it's not even like I'm I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah. Right? I'm like demanding it, in fact, here. And, And... not just to seek, but look at there are things that we are responsible for doing or not doing, and it's laid out, right? So that that's the, the what I'm just hearing over and over and over again. Give me what's mine, but take yours. Yeah. Now, okay. So that's we'll great end, insight. That's yeah, really, it was very really good. Really good. Yeah. Because now I want to end with asking sort of the question or answering the question based on what we just read in Isaiah and where we started, which is. I asked you about, you know, how much did you go through this day and did you need, how much did you call upon God to do whatever you were doing? Going to what you said, what has God given us the control of? What has he called us to do? And if we think about what he called us to do, we will realize that to do that, we only can do that in total dependence of him. That's right. Now, what are those things he told us to do? I'm going to say it again. Mm Mm-hmm. Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Mm-hmm. Remove evil of your deeds from before my eyes. 
Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Mm-hmm. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the followers. Plead the widow's cause. Mm-hmm. These are the things we are to do. Ooh, you do those, you will have to call upon the Lord yeah. to do them. Yeah. Because we're so distracted to do anything else but those things. <laughs> and yet those are the things that God said matter. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, good discussion, you guys. And for, for the record. <laughs> Put it on the record, yeah. I would say that um, we are participating in those things doing this. Yep. Mm-hmm. We are learning to do good. And, and learning, yeah. Learning to see. So how do you learn something? Good. you got to practice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to add. What's the address of, the, of that one that one you just read? Um, Isaiah 1, 16 and 17. Okay. Probably a good one to memorize. <laughs> I think I should memorize it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to so. end with just as a as a as as sort of a our closing prayer. I want to read Psalm 91. Oh. Um, Psalm 90, sorry, Psalm 90. Um, and in fact, I'll just read the whole thing because it really sort of speaks to this idea of our dependence on God. So Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust. And say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but a yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning, in the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You just heard that in a minute ago. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. That's why he said, what about remove evil, wash yourselves? For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yes, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and all of you, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And all God's people said. Amen. 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 Keep us safe this week, Father. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. 
We just appreciate this so much, and we thank you for Greg's study. We thank you for each other. We thank you for the humor. We thank you for the support, enthusiasm. So love you, Father. Help us to do the things that you want us to do that you've enumerated here in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Amen.